Let's bow our heads together. Heavenly Father, thank you so much that by the means of your Holy Spirit, even the things in the Bible that seem to be confusing, and sometimes, Father, they even seem to be contradicting, thank God your Holy Spirit can clear up the whole thing and not have misunderstandings. We know that the Holy Spirit is the one who has begun the work in us. And he will finish it if we will allow him to do that. So, Father, please, tonight, speak to our hearts. May we feel your presence through the power of the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to go back to a verse we looked at last night. Revelation chapter 19. Revelation chapter 19. One of the identifying marks of the God's woman in Revelation 12 is found here in Revelation chapter 19 and verse 10. Page 1821 in your seminar Bibles. 1821 in your seminar Bibles. I had a couple of members ask me if, you know, we have a few of these left. Could they have one? Uh, My suggestion is you can have one, but you need to make a $10 offering to the church. Hello? Why do I say that? Because technically the church is the one that bought them. Okay? So if you'd like to have one, no problem. Just remember tomorrow when we take up an offering, put it, well, no, put more than $10. Hello? <laughs> but put the $10 in for the Bible. Okay? <laughs> Revelation 19, verse 10. I fell at the feet to worship him, and he said unto me, See thou do it not, I am thy fellow servant, and of thy brethren that have the testimony of Jesus. Worship God, for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. What does that tell us? God's woman in Revelation 12 will have the spirit of prophecy. We know, if nothing else, we know that it's going to be teaching and, and uh, preaching uh, and, and helping people understand the prophecies of the Bible. But the indication is it will also have the spirit of prophecy. I want you to turn over to Acts chapter 2. To back up what John saw, says, we find here in Acts chapter 2, in verse 17. Acts chapter 2, verse 17, page 1592. 1592. As we begin to look, okay, it says this. And it came to pass in the, what days? In the last days, saith God, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. And on my servants and on my handmaidens will I pour out in those days of my spirit, and they shall prophesy. Wow. Now, God says in the last days, he's going to pour out his spirit, right? And he says, your sons and daughters shall do what? Prophesy. Does that affect us today? Well, of course, we're living in the last days, aren't we? And so God said he was going to do this in the very last days. So it's important that we look at it. Now, lots of places that I go, let me put it this way. Christianity is the last stronghold of male chauvinism. Even the Bible itself almost has a male take on it, doesn't it? Okay? Is this the way God made it? No. In the beginning, Adam and Eve were made equal. Hello? The only thing that made made Eve subject to the husband was what? Sin. The only thing. And you know what? She wouldn't have been there if you wouldn't have had a rib. Yeah. (laughs) Now you sound like them blaming God. But anyway. (laughs) The point is, I've never met a woman yet, though, by the way, Laura, that would object if the husband was the head of the family as Jesus is the head of the church, but some of them aren't that way. 
But does God use equally men and women? You know, I've been in some churches, a woman isn't even allowed to get up on the platform. Not allowed to teach men. You know, is this biblical? No, it is not. Look at Acts chapter 21. Acts chapter 21. We discover here in Acts chapter 21, and beginning in verse 8. Acts 21 and verse 8. The Bible says this, And the next day we that were of Paul's company departed and came unto Caesarea, and we entered into the house of Philip the evangelist, who was one of the seven, the seven deacons that were chosen, and abode with him. The same man had four daughters, virgin, which did what? They did what? Four of them. Wow. Let's take a look at Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2. And we discover beginning in verse 36. Luke 2 verse 36. Page 1492. Sounds familiar. And there was one Anna, a what? A prophetess. Now, so how many does that make? Five. Five women prophetess in the New Testament. Now, some people will say, well, that's in the New Testament. That's not in the Old Testament. Things are going to go back like they were. You know, my Bible tells me Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Isn't that right? <laughs> okay, Old Testament. Let's go to Exodus chapter 15. Exodus chapter 15. Page 111. Actually, I want page 112, but that's okay. Exodus chapter 15. Genesis, Exodus, second book. Chapter 15. And verse 20. And Miriam, the what? The prophetess, the sister of Aaron, took a tambrel in her hand, and all the women went out after her with tambrels and with dance. Boy, now you can open up a real can of worm right there, I'm telling you. <laughs> you know, you want some good homework? Go home and look up Psalms 150. Take your Strong's Concordance, and I want you to look up every instrument. When it talks about loud, I want you to look up the word loud and go through the whole thing. And I want you to remember now in this chapter, God's calling the assembly. Are you with me? In his sanctuary. And when you finish, you make a decision of what God's saying, okay? I'm not going to go beyond that point. All right, so we have Miriam. She's a what? Prophetess. Now let's go to Judges. Okay? Page 399. 399. Judges chapter 4. Page 399. Judges chapter 4. And we're going to read verse 4. Judges chapter 4, verse 4. And here we find Deborah was a what? Deborah was a prophetess. Now, she also had the hardest job in the entire world, and that was she was a wife. Mm -hmm. And on top of that, she judged Israel at the time. You know, now what does that tell us when we begin to see these things in relationship to it? Not only is God using men and women as being prophets, isn't that right? But at the same time, what about this idea that women shouldn't teach men? Women shouldn't be over men. Well, hello? Okay? When the men were flunking out, God chose a faithful woman to do the job. Does that make sense? So, you know, put away this male chauvinism malarkey. Okay? And if God's using someone, listen. We have a responsibility. Did you know that? If someone comes to you and says, I've got a message from God, you know you have a responsibility to listen? Then what's your next responsibility? Check them out. That's right. 
test and prove. How do we test and prove them? According to the Bible. If what they're saying agrees with the Bible, then it must be a message from God. Amen? But if it doesn't agree with the Bible, we know where to put that particular piece of information. Right? And they'll come by and collect it every week. Amen? Listen, folks. You know, we have a responsibility to listen. Now, what do we got? We got five, six. We got seven, right, so far? One more, okay? Second Kings. Second Kings. And we want chapter 22. Second Kings chapter 22. Uh, page 648. 641, sorry. 641, huh? 384, okay? 641. Second Kings chapter 22 and verse 14. Somebody tell me the name of the prophetess. Okay? Chapter 14. Okay, Olga. Right. So, now that makes it... Have I proven my point? Old Testament, New Testament. Has God used women as prophetess? Yes, just like men. Okay, so uh, we can settle that and move on into our subject. Jeremiah chapter 26. Jeremiah chapter 26 we discover something in Jeremiah that is very, very important connected to this gift of prophecy. Jeremiah chapter 26. We find it on page uh, 1148. Now, the question comes up is why did the gift of prophecy was removed from God's people? Do you know that from Malachi to the next prophet in the Bible was almost 600 years? The gift of prophecy was gone. Why? Jeremiah 26 and verse 5. Four. Let's start with four. Thou shalt say unto them, Thus saith the Lord, If you will not hearken to walk in my law which I have set before you, to hearken to the words of my servants, the prophets, whom I have sent unto you, both rising up early and sending them, but you have not hearkened. Then I will make this house like a grave, that's what that word means, and will make this city a curse unto all nations of the earth. What did he tell them? They need to be obeying the law and following what the prophets have said that he sent them, hasn't it? And if they weren't doing it, he said, I'm going to make it like a graveyard. By the way, did they? Yeah, Jerusalem basically became a graveyard. It really did. It was burnt to the ground. Okay? And by the way, it was burnt with an unquenchable fire. You find that over in uh, Chronicles. Lamentations. Where's Lamentations? Right at the end of Jeremiah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they went on and took care of that problem. They just got rid of him, right? (laughs) Lamentations chapter 2. By the way, it was written by Jeremiah. He was lamenting over what was going on in in, uh, Jerusalem. And he said this, huh? I don't know. Chapter 2, verse 9. Her gates, speaking of Jerusalem now, the daughters of Zion, if you look in verse 8, okay. In verse 9, her gates are sunken to the ground. He hath destroyed and broken down her bars. Her kings and her princes are among the Gentiles. The law is no more, and her prophets also find no vision from the Lord. Wow. Very next book's Ezekiel. Another prophet. We find in Ezekiel chapter 7. Ezekiel chapter 7. Here Ezekiel tells us this. Ezekiel chapter 7. And we want verse 26. 
Ezekiel chapter 7 and verse 26. Mischief shall come upon mischief. Rumor shall be upon rumor. Then shall they seek a vision of the prophet. But the law shall perish from the priest and the counsel from the ancients. Hmm. Over a few more pages to chapter 20. Chapter 20. And here's some pretty harsh words directly from God. Ezekiel chapter 20, verse 3. Verse 4, I mean verse 2 says, who's talking? The Lord, okay? Son of man, speak unto the elders of Israel. Say unto them, thus saith the Lord God, are you come to inquire of me? As I live, saith the Lord God, I will not be inquired of by you. Boy, that's some strong words, ain't it? Why? Look at verse 11. God says, I gave them my statutes. I showed them my judgments, which if a man do, he shall live in them. Moreover, also I gave them my Sabbath to be a sign between me and them, that they might know I am the Lord that sanctified them. But the house of Israel rebelled against me in the wilderness. They walked not in my statutes. They despised my judgments, which if a man do, he shall live in them. My Sabbath they have greatly polluted. Then I, then I said, I will pour out my fury upon them in the wilderness to consume them. Wow. Do you think it's important for the people of God to do what the Bible says and to listen to the former prophets if they want to have any more prophets? You think that's important? Obviously, God's showing that it is. And we find within the Bible in several places, it tells us why. They would not follow God's law. They wouldn't obey the prophets that were sent to them. And therefore, he says, I don't even want to, don't even ask me a question. I'm not even going to listen to you. I'm not going to talk to you. Why was the gift of prophecy removed from the Christian church? Because of the dark ages. Were they following God's law? Were they listening to the prophets? No. So naturally, the gift of prophecy would disappear. What's the purpose of a prophet? Let's go over to 1 Samuel. And I've given you one right there that tells you what it is. But what's the object when we look at a prophet? What does it tell us? 1 Samuel chapter 9. And we discover something here that's very, very important. 1 Samuel chapter 9. As you're finding this, I want you to know something, a little story behind it. Saul's daddy had lost some livestock, and so his daddy sent him out to find him. So he took a servant, and they went looking. And they looked and looked and looked and looked and looked and couldn't find the animals. So the servant said unto Saul, verse 6, He said unto him, Behold now, there is in this city a man of God who is honorable man. All that he saith surely come to pass. Now let us go hither, and preadventure he can show us our way that we should go. Then Saul said to his servant, But behold, if we go, what shall we bring to the man? For the bread is spent in our vessels, and there is not a present to bring to the man of God. What have we? And the servant answered Saul again and said, Behold, I have here a hand, the fourth part of a shickle of silver. That will I give to the man of God to tell us our way. Before time in Israel, when a man went to inquire of God, thus he spake, Come, and let us go see what? Let us go to the seer, that he is that is now called a prophet, but before time was called a seer. We discover something in God's chain of command. Prophets are known as the eyes of the church, the seer. And that's why he was saying. Now I want you to notice, first of all, a prophet's a guide, isn't he? 
Second of all, he was an honorable man. And how much of what he said come true? <laughs> the most accurate prophetess in the 20th century was Jean Dixon. She was right 26% of the time. Now let me just ask you a question. Could she have been a prophetess for God? Why? She was missing 74%. Does that make sense? Yeah. A prophet of God is 100% correct, okay? No, no things about it. You know, more people read Nostradamus, but you know he's right less than 11% in everything he wrote. And you know these gurus that claim to have all of this information, it's proven they're right less than 3%. You know, there was little, make that nothing, that the psyches got right in their predictions in the National Enquirer, National Examiner, and other tabloids from the Associated Press, January 1st, 1998. The psychic's collective strikeout came as no surprise to Gene Emery, who has been checking the forecast since 1979. Since 1979, Emery has found only one prediction that came half true. And yet, you know, there's people won't even leave the house unless they read their horoscope. Should I consult a psychic? Listen, folks. It's not a, a dark little parlor with a, with a crystal ball anymore. This is big business. These people have large offices and they go to them and see them and they pay big bucks to talk to the very same people, okay? But what about it? What does it look like? You know, the, bulks, uh, the books about the occult are growing faster and faster. I'll tell you something else that's been an amazing fact to me. One of the reasons I gave you Harry Potter's little book tonight the fastest growing religion in the world today is witchcraft. Witchcraft. You ought to listen to the news. It was on 60 Minutes not too long back. And, and they've been getting more and more and more inquiries. Why? Well, books like Harry Potter and some of the programs on TV, you know, and, and, and all these young people that can get it. And the young people are just buying this 100%. They're buying right into it. Should you call up and get your free 15 minutes? You know? <laughs> oh, yeah, I know. Yeah, it's good. Yeah. I, I want you to look at Deuteronomy chapter 18. Deuteronomy chapter 18, page 320. Deuteronomy chapter 18. Exactly what you said, Lloyd. They're telling their children. Look what God says, verse 10. Deuteronomy chapter 18, verse 10. There, not, there shall not be found among you anyone that maketh his son or daughter to pass through the fire, or that uses divination or observers of times or enchanters or witches or charmers or consultants with familiar spirits, wizards or necromancers. For all that do these things are abomination unto the Lord because these abominations the Lord God doth drive them out before thee. Thou shalt be perfect with the Lord thy God. You know, in another place it says, if you want answers, shouldn't the people seek their God? You know, and yet we find. Now, what does the Bible do? So it says, don't use divination. What's that? Fortune teller. Let's use, you know, today's language. Then what about an observer of times? Okay. We know that counting the stars and everything else. But what does the Bible say? It's an abomination. How about enchanter? This is a magician. Not all of it's altogether just tricks. Hello. A witch, that's a female psychic today, okay? A charmer, a person who casts spells or charms. A, con a consulter with familiar spirit or a spirit medium is what it's referred to as today. A wizard is a male psychic. We also, a necromancer is a person who claims to be able to consult with the dead. I love this, this picture. Isn't that ridiculous? 
That's just ridiculous. Most of us never think about this like this, but it's just ridiculous the way some people carry on. You know, sometimes even these people heal people. Does that mean they're from God? No, even the devil can heal somebody. For they are spirits of devils working what? Miracles. So just because somebody is actually healed, that doesn't mean it particularly came from God. Amen? By their fruit ye shall know them. God says, listen, don't judge lest ye be judged. But God did say we could be fruit inspectors. You know, and if you look at some of these preachers, and they're healing people, but you look at the way they live and how they spend their money, they're anything but following God. Amen? Uh, You know, do I dare mention this? I'm not questioning the fact that the man is trying to do what he feels God has called him to do. All right? So let me say that up front. Have you ever watched Benny Hinn? Huh? You ever watched him? You ever watched him and he does this? And you know what happens? You look at the audience and they all go... You know? He comes up and hits them in the head and they fall on the floor and start having a conniption fit. You ever find one place in the Bible that's the way God works? Not one. Okay? Uh, You read about Peter who healed people, Paul who healed people. Not one time did he ever smack them in the forehead and they fell down and started bouncing around like an idiot. (laughs) You know? And, And listen, one of the worst things about that, he has this stack of mail. And, and, and you need to send him a letter, put some money in it, and he'll pray for you because if you're really a Christian, you'll be rich. What a terrible teaching, folks. But thousands upon thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars roll in. Benny Hinn made an announcement here not too long back. Soon he expects to have Jesus Christ on the stage with him. Well, anyway, many people look to these so-called people who've got all the answers, folks, but they're counterfeits. They're consulting with the devil. And don't think that all this is just a a put-on or a fake. Some of it's real, but you've got to understand who they're dealing with. They're dealing with the devil, and they're dealing with his angels. And what's happening is real, but it's not from God. Listen, these two ladies consulted with Jean Dixon on a regular basis until she died. Hmm. I told you last night that in 1844, when they had the great disappointment and Jesus didn't show up, there were many, many people that were so disappointed that they just left Christianity altogether and wanted nothing to do with it. Many people went back to the original churches where they were going. I told you about one little group last night. Well, there was another man by the name of Joseph Smith who claimed to be visited by an angel and given golden pages and given the ability to interpret them. I don't know how familiar you are with the Mormon church. The Mormon church is a very male chauvinistic church, by the way. Did you know that in the Mormon faith, you women had better toe the line? Because if you die, it's not Jesus that calls you from the grave. It's your husband. And if you haven't been a good woman... (laughs) Guess what? You're probably not going to go. You're going to stay there. Amen? Do you know what heaven is in the Mormon religion? Heaven is you get to go to heaven, to the first heaven, and you get to be married to your numerous wives because you have to have more than one to even go there. And girls, 
you're blessed to have babies forever and ever and be eternally pregnant and replenish another world like this one so that the conflict can go on and on and on. Yeah. Well, they believe we are gods. As God once was, so he was like us and so we will be like him. Okay? Um, you, you know the sad part about it? A prophet has to agree with the other prophet to be a prophet of God. Would you all agree with that? God never makes a mistake. So a prophet of God or a prophetess of God is always going to agree with the former prophets. Does that make sense? Do you know that Hinckley, who was not the latest one now, he's been replaced, but Hinckley did not agree with Joseph Smith, okay, at all. He didn't agree with Brigham Young. See, Joseph Smith, when you read the Book of Mormon and the Doctrine and Covenants, and, of course, the King James Version, which is the only Bible they will be allowed to use, there is a burning hell. Are you with me? Joseph Smith preached it. All of the other prophets preached it. But along came Mr. Hinckley. And he had a vision. And he was told God didn't have any hell. There's just three heavens. Everybody's going to go to heaven. Now, if you're in the third heaven, you will be the servants of all the rest of them forever. Hello. <laughs> you know, I've, I've, did, I've did meetings in many places where I have brothers and sisters in the Mormon church. I believe God's people are there too. Are you with me? But that night, you know, when I go there, I, I supply an extra sheet of paper along with my studies that I hand out. And this extra sheet of paper says, for my Mormon brothers and sisters. And I quote from the Book of Mormon and the Doctrine of Covenants, the Pearl of Great Price, for them, right? When you get to this subject about hell, I said, I really feel sorry for my Mormon brothers and sisters tonight. I, I say Latter-day Saints, I don't say Mormon. And some of them look at me, what? Well, remember, you're supposed to believe in the books, Amen. Now, the books say there's a hell. But your current prophet says there isn't one. Now, personally, I think the books are right. The Bible, the Doctrine of the Covenant, the Pearl of Great Price. They're right on this subject, folks. And you've got a choice to make. Either you're going to accept what the books have been written for hundreds of years, or you're going to accept what your new prophet says. As for me and my house, I don't have a problem. I'm going to follow the books. You should see the look on their faces, folks. They've never thought about it. This will shock you. Did you know that Joseph Smith and Brigham Young both kept the Sabbath? Yes. Huh? And they kept the Sabbath until along came another prophet. And he had a vision. And the vision said, you need to become like the rest of the Christians so that you can avoid further persecution. And bingo. Sunday keeping came into the Mormon church. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. Folks, they if they don't agree with God's word, they can't be a prophet of God. Does that make sense? Now, don't go out here and find some Mormon brother and sister and tell them I said they're going to hell. I didn't say that. I believe there are Mormons that will be in heaven. Amen? I just want you to know that. But as far as... The organization and the teachings, it is not biblical. Wow. Judge Rutherford. This was another one of the divisions that came off, known as the Jehovah Witnesses. You know, I wished our people, uh, Pastor Stan, were as hardworking as the Jehovah Witnesses. I really do. I, I really do. Oh, I know, I, we, we don't want to force them into it, but I wish some of our people were more active. Anyway, I won't go any further than that. Each prophet that comes along is the current prophet, and that's the one you're supposed to listen to. They even have their own 
Bible. It's called the New World Bible. The current prophet doesn't even agree with their own Bible. And by the way, the watchtower is above the Bible. That's the latest word from God. And if you study the prophets and what they've said over the years since Judge Rutherford to today, you would wonder how they could still call themselves the same organization. Because they don't believe the same things anymore. If they were all prophets of God, they would have to agree with each other. Amen? But they can't even agree amongst themselves, let alone agree with the Bible that we know came from God. You see how simple it is to do some of it? Now please, I believe there will be Jehovah Witnesses in heaven. We're not talking about the people, we're talking about the organization and what's going on in relationship to them, okay? So we begin to see these. You shall know them by their what? Fruits, folks. It's that simple. I love this picture. Hmm? How many of us ever heard this of just a wolf in sheep's clothing? I found this picture. I just thought, well, this is wonderful. I got to see that. Beware of spirits, folks. I want you to go to 1 John chapter 4. 1 John chapter 4. We're told, folks, to even beware of spirits. Not just men and women that are out there saying they got messages from God, but we're told, beware of spirits themselves. Chapter 4, verse 1. 1 John chapter 4 and verse 1. Beloved, believe not every spirit... But try the spirits whether they are of God because many false prophets are gone out into the world. Some of these people are really talking to spirits. You understand? They're not just crazy and they don't belong in a sane asylum. But the problem is the spirit they're talking with is not the spirit of God. And we're supposed to try them. How do we try a spirit? By the word of God. Just because it's supernatural doesn't make it right. And you have to acknowledge Jesus Christ is God. That's right. Well, as a matter of fact, it goes on. Hereby know ye the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God. Now, let's just stop right there. Jesus is not like the rest of this. He was immaculate conception. Because why? He never sinned. And the original sin was sex. And if you are born of a woman, then you're guilty when you're born. Anybody know where that comes from? Directly from the Catholic Church. That's the way the Catholic Church teaches it, okay? Folks... Jesus, it says Jesus was born just like we were. Hello? Okay? Tempted in every way we were tempted, and yet he did not sin. Why? Because him and his father spent lots of time together, and he prayed that the Holy Spirit would help him on a daily basis. You know, it it amazes me how much Jesus prayed and how little I pray. You know? It just amazes me. Verse 3 says, Every spirit that confesses not that Jesus is Christ is come in the flesh is not of God. And this is the spirit of the Antichrist. Wherefore ye have heard that it should come, even now already is in the world. Wow. So as we look at this, folks, we need to make sure that even the spirits we want to test You know, one of the things that you need to be really careful about, if you go to church and your pastor stands up and says, I had my sermon all prepared today, but the Spirit spoke to me, and this is what he said. Man, you ought to sit up and take notice real quick. Why? Folks, I'm telling you, if you measure most of the time, what they say that Spirit said, it's hard to find any of it that agrees with the Bible. 
There's stuff going on in the world today in Christianity that'll just blow your mind. But you know, people are gullible. They go to church and they'll listen to a preacher. And the more, you know, personality this guy's got and the more presentable he is and, and the better the music and the more lively it is. And, and, and man, they can fill these churches up in a hurry. Are they really following what God's saying? Yeah. Well, You've got to be real careful, Laura, going back and sharing what I'm telling you. What you've been learning in this class, you go to Sunday and start sharing everything you've been learning. It won't be long before you'll be asked to leave, you know. <laughs> if they speak not according to this word, what? There is no light in them. It's that simple, folks. Judge like you judge. A prophet should be following what God says. His law and his word. His life should produce the fruits of this. 100% accurate. 100% in agreement with the Bible. It must confess the divinity of Jesus Christ. You know, this is amazing how many of these don't. Now let me ask you another question. To be a prophet, do you have to write a book of the Bible? No, you can't. Oh, okay, because there are written Revelations, right? And there's also oral revelations. Now you said no. Okay, name me one. Huh? No, name me a prophet that didn't write a book. John the Baptist didn't write a book, did he? And yet Jesus said there was never a man born of a woman greater prophet than John the Baptist. And, you know, uh, how about this guy? Did he write a book of the Bible? <laughs> you know, I've discovered something. Whenever something is going to happen on this world that's going to affect the entire world, God will never let it pass that he doesn't send a special prophet to draw attention to it. You know, was this a special thing? He called a special prophet to preach for how long? 120 years. Along came John the Baptist. What was John the Baptist doing? <laughs> Calling people to worship the Son of God, the Lamb of God, wasn't he? And, and by the way, Jesus coming to this earth, uh, did that affect the whole world? Was he going to let it go by without having somebody call attention to it? Absolutely not. He had arrived. He was born in Bethlehem. And John said, Behold, the Lamb of God that take away the sins of... This is what you've been waiting for. Don't you recognize him? <laughs> you remember we studied the 2,300 years and we discovered that the judgment hour began in 1844. Does this affect the whole world? Do you think God's going to let it go by without calling a special prophet? By the way, he called two men. One of them was a black man, by the way. God's no respecter of persons. <laughs> and he told them, and he showed them visions each time. One of them saw visions of three angels. And another one saw visions of people on the first step and then the second step and then the third step and then they saw Jesus coming to take the people home. Wow. Told to go tell. One of the men went to church finally to go tell because it wasn't really popular back then to talk about Christ's second coming. And he stood up to be able to speak and he began to wring his hands. He began to have wet sweat pour off of his forehead he said it's gone it's all gone I can't remember a thing and he ran out of the church saying he was a lost man Hazen Foss God said if you don't do what I'm asking you to do I'm going to take it from you and give it to the weakest of the weak it's true it'll be you can Go back and look in history books and it'll tell you. Well, he didn't go. 
<laughs> Years later, he was listening to this little lady I'm going to tell you about. And he stood up in this gathering and he said, everything she just said is true. God gave it to me and I didn't fulfill God's wishes. Mm. A girl by the name of Ellen Harmon, 17 years of age, had tuberculosis. One lung was gone and the other one was infected. Received a vision. On a cold winter's day in Maine, she told her brother, you've got to be able to hitch up the sleigh. I've got to go to the church and I've got to give the church a message. And by the way, she was a Methodist. See, we're not saved by church. Hello. Anyway, he said, how can you do this? You can't even talk without, you know, coughing and hemorrhaging. She said, I don't know, but God will give me the power. Isn't it amazing she lived 71 years? Longer? Wow. That's really something, isn't it? Expected to die. (laughs) As we look at this, most all of the dreams and visions that she had had to do with one of two things. First of all, with healthy living. You know, back in her day in the 1800s, you know, a, a, a guy 50 was old. You probably weren't expected to make it past 55. Okay? And, and uh, you know, uh, it, it's amazing when she saw some of these things, you know. Uh, she had a vision because many of the women were having varicose veins and shingles, Right? And she said these skirts, which are dragging the ground and stuff, she said these skirts and dresses have to come up. You know? That wasn't popular in her day. Today she'd probably say these skirts need to come down. But anyway. (laughs) Most of the time they kept the houses dark. They didn't let the air in. She said, you've got to open the windows and the doors and air these places out. Let the fresh air come in. And, And we need to eat healthy. And so she began having a health message in relationship, you know, to the people that they might be able to live longer. You know, in 1956, (laughs) that's a few years down the road, isn't it? She died in 1915. She wrote in a book in the late 1800s called Council on Diet and Health, and in a book called, um, uh, yeah, (laughs) zing! Yeah, healing. Ministry of healing. healing. There we go. And in this ministry of healing, she called cancer a germ. Okay? In 1956, they proved that cancer is caused by a virus. And she said it was caused, virus, germ, same thing, hello. She said it was caused by that long before there were ever even telescopes, I mean, microscopes. Hmm. Medical. <laughs> Some of you may recognize these, you know, in a relationship. She helped set up and, and uh, do the Battle Creek Sanitarium. Out here in California, they kept, she kept telling them they need to establish a health center out here. They need to establish health. And, and they had looked and looked and couldn't find any and everything was too expensive, right? So she wrote, the brethren and said, I'm going to take a train ride and I'm going to come out to California. And she says, I want you to set up some properties because God has shown me the property we need to purchase. And so she got here and they went out and began to look at different properties. And she finally came to this one and she says, I've seen this before. The man showed up and she says, I've seen you before. The property was perfect, you know. It's right outside of Riverside. They said, how much are you charging? He said, well, I was charging this much. But he says, I don't know why, but I've decided to reduce the price to this. And she turned to the brothers, the heads of the church, and she says, and God says that's what you ought to pay. (laughs) And today is Loma Linda University the most recognized health center in the world, folks. This was the kind of vision she had. Had to do with health and healthful living and how to be able to treat people. 100% accurate. 
I want to read you just a few things. Back in 1884, the Roman Church now presents a fair front to the world, covering with her apology, covering with apologies her record of horrible cruelties. Written when? 1884. ABC News, March 13, 2000. Papal apology. Vatican City, March 13th, never before has a pope publicly asked God's forgiveness for the horrors committed by a group of Catholics over the centuries, often in the name of the church. On Sunday, Pope John Paul II did. He asked forgiveness for the church's sin. Pope John Paul II delivered an historic, sweeping apology for the sins of the Roman Catholic Church over the century. Kind of got that one right, didn't she? Same book, she says, Protestants have tampered with and they have patronized popery. They have made compromises and concessions with the papists themselves are even surprised to see and fail to understand. October 31st, by the way, that was a Sunday, 1517, Martin Luther nailed his 95 thesis to the church door in Wittenberg, Germany. October 31st, 1999. By the way, that's also a Sunday. 482 years ago, Sunday, the blunt-speaking monk Martin Luther nailed his legendary attack on the Catholic Church practices to the church door in Germany, an act of conscience that triggered the Protestant Reformation. Sunday, October the 31st, 1999, the heirs of that acrimonian fracture the leaders of the modern Lutheran and the Roman Catholic churches signed a document that officially settles the central argument about the nature of the faith that Luther provoked. The agreement declares, in effect, that it, the Protestant Reformation, was all a misunderstanding. Many said this is accord gives added promise to their ideal that their denominational champions of a full communion or merger between the churches. 1884-1999. Here's one that'll probably shock you. Written in a book called Early Writings. On one occasion, when in New York, I was in the night season and called upon to behold buildings rising story after story towards the heavens. These buildings were warranted to be fireproof. Higher and still higher these buildings rose. In them was the most costly material was used. The scene that next passed before me was an alarm of fire. Men looked at the lofty, supposedly fireproof buildings and said, They are perfectly safe. But these buildings were consumed as if they were made of pitch. The fire engines could do nothing to stay the destruction and the firemen were unable to operate the engines. I took this one. Huh? This, is, this one is in the other book, Volume 9 of the Testimonies, page 12 and 13. You remember this date? What happened? Did those buildings come down just like they were made of pitch? And by the way, they were warranted they were perfectly safe. Isn't that amazing? 1800s, 2011. Must be 100% in agreement with the Bible. Here's what she says. The words of the Bible and the Bible alone should be heard from the pulpit. Prophet and Kings, page 626. I recommend unto you, dear readers, the word of God, for it is the only rule of faith and practice, for it is by the word of God we are to be judged. Early Writings, page 78. The Spirit was not given, nor can it ever be bestowed to supersede the Bible. For the Scriptures explicitly state that the Word of God is the standard by which all teachings and experiences must be tested. By the way, she never changed. In the last general conference meeting she attended before she died, People from all over the world were there. And when she got up to speak, she got up and she said, Brothers and sisters, I recommend unto you God's word that you should be reading and studying 
daily. She then laid it on a table and she laid out nine volumes of the testimonies to the churches. And she said, none of these books would be necessary or would have been necessary if you were reading and studying God's word as you should be. But because you're not, God has sent pointed testimonies to point you back to his word that in the day of judgment there will be no excuse. She never, ever changed her mind. Nobody, she said, can give a spirit that will supersede the Bible. Amen. You know, I agree with that 100%. Well, she must confess the divinity of Jesus. I'll tell you, she's written lots and lots of books. Christ Object Lessons, Thoughts from the Mount of Blessings, Steps to Christ. And by the way, tonight I'm going to give you a little book called Steps to Christ. Not a big book, it's a little book. Um, I'll tell you, you've got a responsibility, test and prove, right? I want you to go and read this little book. If it helps you, wonderful. If it doesn't inspire you and you don't think it was written by the Spirit of God, you can do me a favor and throw in the garbage, okay? But I got news for you. I'm not worried about you throwing in the garbage at all. As a matter of fact, you'll probably share it with somebody else. But test and prove. And everywhere she quotes the Bible, I want you to look it up in the Bible. I want you to read the text. I want you to read the ones in front of it and the ones after it. Make sure she didn't take it out of context, okay? Test and prove for yourself. Out of these books, there are lots of books that have been written on the life of Jesus, and one of those is The Desire of Ages. Now, I assume you know there are hundreds of books that's been written on the life of Jesus. One day, the librarians of Congress said, the best book on the life of Christ is Desire of Ages. That's the librarians in the very place where they keep them. Best book ever written. I'll tell you, if you take that book with your Bible, at the beginning of each of the book, like the first two or three chapters is an introduction to the book of who Jesus is, then he really is the Son of God. But right after that, at the beginning of each chapter, there's a Bible assignment. It'll say this is based on Matthew 1 and 2. Go read Matthew 1 and 2. Then go back and read the chapter, and wherever she quotes the Bible, look it up, make sure it's there, okay? When you're finished, (laughs) you'll have a greater education than most pastors, okay, on the life of Jesus Christ. And what you believe will be based on God's Word. I just tell you that in advance, okay? It's an amazing study. New York Independent, when she died, She showed no spiritual pride. She sought no filthy lucre. She lived the life and did the work of a worthy prophetess. By the way, she never called herself a prophetess. She says, I had some dreams and visions. She called herself the servant. The most admirable of American succession. She wrote over 60 books, over 4,500 articles. And by the way, she only had a third grade education. Paul Harvey, you ever heard of him? (laughs) The rest of the story, September 25th, 1997. Paul Harvey says, Women have been honored on an American postage stamp for more than a hundred years, starting with the first woman, who was not an American, Queen Isabel, in 1893. Since then, 86 women have been honored, ranging from Martha Washington to Marilyn Monroe. Many women authors have been honored. I can name an American woman author who has, been on, who has never been honored thus, though she, her writings have been translated in 148 languages, more than Marx and more than William Shakespeare. Only now is the world coming to appreciate her recommended prescriptions for optimum spiritual and physical health. Ellen White, you don't know her? Get to know her. Paul Harvey. And by the way, he's not a Seventh-day Adventist. Isn't that amazing? You know, folks, her name became White because she married a fellow by the name of James White. Okay, that's how it became White. 
as you look at this, you know, just keep in mind. Do you have to accept Ellen White as a prophet to be a member of the Seventh-day Adventist Church? Nope. Do you have to read her writings to be a member of the Seventh-day Adventist Church? Do you have to read her writings to get to heaven? I'll tell you this much. I think you'll miss a spiritual blessing if you use it like it's designed. She said you should never read something I wrote that you don't read it in connection with the Bible. She said if you ever read something that I've written and doesn't agree with the Bible, she said you throw my book away. Test and prove. It's up to you. As for me... (laughs) I've had lots of people ask me, what school did I go to? How did I get my education? And I've got the little diploma that tells me I are one. But I'm going to tell you something. My information. A fellow by the name of Joe Cruz, with amazing facts, he since died. In his office one day after I'd came back from from, uh, Romania, on Thanksgiving Day, I went over to the office. I didn't think anybody was going to be there, but lo and behold, Joe was there, you know, and sat down. And Joe says, Jack, I'm going to give you some insider information. I said, okay. He said, how would you like to have the Bible knowledge in theology? He said, now, they teach lots of things in theology, so let me explain In Bible knowledge, okay? How would you like to have a four-year college degree in Bible knowledge? I said, that would be wonderful. He said, okay. He said, there's commentaries to the Bible. Patriarchs and prophets, prophets and kings, desire of ages, acts of the apostles, and great controversy. It'll take you from Genesis all the way through Revelation. He said, at the beginning of each chapter, there's a Bible assignment. Read it. Then go back and read the chapter. Wherever she quotes the Bible, you look it up and read it for yourself. Make sure it's there. He said, even read before and after. He said, highlight it and mark what page it's found in in the book. He said, as you're studying, if you find a principle, do you all understand what a principle is? Something you believe, something you base your faith on, something you think God tells you, or so on. The principle, you understand? He said, whenever you find a principle, he said, in a notebook, you write the principle. He said, now number them. Number one, two, three, four. He said, write down what's the principle, where is it found in the Bible, and where is it found in the book? He said, when you finish, you'll have the equivalent to a four-year degree. He said, do it twice, a bachelor's three times a master's, four times a doctorate, five times a Ph.D. I don't know how many times I'm on it. I've done it over and over. Every time I do it, folks, I find things I never found before. You know? When I first started out, the first time I went through it, I had over 1,800 principles. Next time, I had 1,200 and some. Next time, I, I had 800 and some. Right away, you're going to say, Jack, the more you're reading, you're becoming less principled. <laughs> <laughs> no, I've discovered how they all fit together. The last time I went through it, folks, I actually had 285 principles. You want to know where I get my knowledge from, from the Bible? There it is. There it is. I recommend that study to any of you. And when you get done, there ain't anybody that can shake your faith in what you believe. Nothing. And I've had pastors in this church and other pastors that have came to me and said, where did you find that? (laughs) Oh, it's so easy. (laughs) The Bible says, study for yourself that you don't have to be a workman ashamed of what you're doing. So I recommend it to you. Do you have to read it? No. You can get to heaven without it. 
But I think you'll miss a spiritual blessing. So tonight, with the little book, Steps to Christ, and your homework, which we will correct tomorrow, all right? Go home, test and prove. Let's stand together as we pray. Heavenly Father, thank you tonight that you have shown us in your word that there are some key things to anyone who would claim to have the gift of prophecy, whether it's a woman or whether it's a man. By their fruits, you tell us, we shall know them. They should speak according to the law and according to your book. And if they don't do this, it's because they can't be your prophet. Help us always to be open to a message that someone comes to us and says, God gave me a message. Let us be open to listen, Father. But then let us test and prove it according to your word. If it agrees, give us a willing heart to accept and follow. If it doesn't agree, give us the intestinal fortitude to throw it in the garbage. May we always look to Jesus. And may we find him through your word. Thank you for answering our prayer, for we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.